you may have remembered on Easter Sunday that I said the resurrection of Jesus proved Jesus was who he said he was and proved his mission was a success. So we are going to be looking through John's Gospel at seven statements that Jesus makes that began, I am. He, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the good, I'm the resurrection and the life, and I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the vine. So on Easter Sunday, I said, lots of people respect Jesus. They see he was wise. They showed um, people a way of living in love. They love his teachings, things like treat your neighbour as yourself, turn the other cheek. But what I said was Jesus didn't claim to be wise or to be good. He claimed to be God. He claimed to be divine. These statements that Jesus makes, I am, are absolutes. Jesus doesn't say, I'm one of the ways. Or he doesn't say, I am a truth among others. He doesn't leave any room for any other saviour or any other priority or any other way other than his own. That's controversial, isn't it? We don't like absolutes. We like relatives. Things that relate rather than are absolute. So what we're going to look at today is the story of when Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And the way we're going to approach that and each of these statements is by going broader and older than just the story in the passage. What do I mean by that? Well, the Bible isn't a collection of individual books and stories. It is. But actually, they're all connected. There's a history. There are themes and overarching narratives throughout the whole Bible. So if you kind of pick out a phrase without looking at its context, you miss the meaning. And if you take the verse out of context, you also miss the context in relation to the Bible as a whole. So let's jump in to John's Gospel. We're going to be in chapter 6 of John's Gospel. Now John writes this kind of biography of Jesus' life. And he writes it in hindsight, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he puts into this story details that help us see how this story about Jesus connects with the bigger story of God. So I'm going to be reading from the message version. It's kind of a paraphrase and it just says this. We're going to read from John chapter 6, 1 to 13. After this, Jesus went across the Sea of Galilee. Some call it Tiberias. A huge crowd followed him, attracted by the miracles that he, um, they had seen him do among the sick. When he got to the other side, he climbed a hill and sat down surrounded by his disciples it was nearly time for the feast of passover kept annually by the jews when jesus looked out and saw that a large crowd had arrived he said to philip where can we buy bread to feed these people he said this to stretch philip's faith he already knew what he was going to do philip answered 200 silver pieces wouldn't be enough to buy bread for each person to get a piece one of the disciples it was andrew brother to simon peter said there's a little boy here who has five barley loaves and um, two fish. But that's a drop in the bucket for a crowd like this. Jesus said, make the people sit down. There was a nice carpet of green grass in this place. They sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus said, took the bread and having given thanks, he gave it to those who were seated. 
He did the same with the fish. All ate as much as they wanted. When the people had eaten their fill, he said to his disciples, Gather the leftovers so nothing is wasted. They went to work and filled twelve large baskets with leftovers from the five barley loaves. Now I know what you're thinking. At no point in this story does Jesus say, I am the bread of life. And you're absolutely right. What you soon realise is that the I am statements in the book of John are Jesus teaching his disciples usually the meaning behind a miracle that he's just done. So we've just read the account of the miracle. Now, it's important to pick out some of the clues John leaves us in this biography. Number one is the miracle happens near the time of the Feast of Passover. What was the Passover? What were they celebrating? They were celebrating the Exodus, where God uses Moses to free his people from slavery to Egypt and liberates them, making them his own people. How were the Israelites fed in the wilderness? God provides manna, this bread from heaven in the desert. Now, how many tribes were there in Israel? There were 12. And how many baskets of leftovers were gathered? There were 12. These aren't coincidences. They are signs. Anyway, let's skip forward. Now, that's the miracle that happened. And this would have been the talk of the region. You can imagine the bustle and the, and the um, gossip around this miracle. You can imagine this happening in a poor subsistence farming area. This man just created, made, provided food for 5,000 men and their wives and children. This is going to cause quite a stir in the region. Bear in mind that as we move on now. Now Jesus walks on water across the lake. The crowd search for him and his disciples. They eventually, eventually find him on the other side of the lake. Now, and think about this. Why is the crowd so eager to find Jesus? Have a think. Let's dive into John um, chapter 6, and now we're in verse 25. And now I'm in the NIV, confusingly. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Verse 26, Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give you, for on him the God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Now let's just pause there. The crowd asked Jesus, when did you get here? And Jesus answers a completely different question. Um, Jesus is always speaking on an eternal level, not a temporary one. He sees through their question to the need behind the question, the motivation behind the question. So instead of saying to them, actually, I walked across the lake last night, he goes to the root of the reason behind their question, which is basically, can we have some more bread? Because it's lunchtime and actually we're really hungry. Um, the whole conversation is about hunger. Have you ever heard this theory that we have two stomachs? One is for main course and one has an infinite capacity for pudding. 
or dessert. Um, sometimes I'll say to the kids, um, or they'll say to me, Dad, we're full. We can't eat any more. I'm absolutely stuffed. And I'll just say, oh, okay, so... So you haven't got any space for apple crumble and ice cream and you know their answer, don't you? Yeah, of course we do. Bring on the crumble. There's space in my pudding stomach. It works in a different way. Well, I'd love to suggest something a little bit different this today, that we all have two types of stomach, not a pudding stomach and a main stomach, but a physical stomach and a spiritual stomach. We have a spiritual hunger that we try and satisfy with so many different things in our lives. Sometimes good things like our family, we try and find, but we can try and find fulfillment in our family and in our kids. Sometimes we try and find fulfillment or satisfaction in our work, in our career. If we can reach that level of seniority or if our income hits this level, then we'll find satisfaction. John Rockefeller famously said when asked how much money is enough, he answered, a little more. There is never enough. Or we can seek satisfaction or fulfilment in relationships, short term, in the affirmation of cheap um, one night stands to fix that need for affection and love that we feel. There's a fascinating book in the Bible called Ecclesiastes, written by King Solomon, who in the book's called The Teacher. He, in this story and in this parable, in this account, has unlimited wealth and goes on this journey to find meaning, fulfilment and satisfaction. And this is what he says in Ecclesiastes 2 verse 8. I amass silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well, the delight of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. Verse 10, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labour and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet... When I surveyed all that my hands had done and what my toil to achieve, had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. Now, there is a hunger in your soul, in my soul, in my heart and in my mind and in your heart and mind, that even with unlimited resources cannot be satisfied in anything other than God. So let's go back to the story, back to the crowd in front of Jesus, back into the Gospel of John, chapter 6, and now we're in verse 30. So they asked him, what sign, they're asking Jesus, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe in you? And now they're thinking, hmm, maybe some more bread. What will you do? Verse 31. Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Sometimes we can try that, can't we? We can try and sound or be spiritual. We can make ourselves sound religious. or We can try religious activity. But all we want is for God to satisfy our physical needs. God isn't bothered by our religion. The activities that we do to try and just ourselves, justify ourselves with him that we busy ourselves with, rather than allowing God to fulfil our deep heart's cry 
the deepest longing of our souls. So back to verse 10. Sorry, back to the text. Verse 32. Jesus says to them, very truly, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Almost like now you're talking our language, Jesus. We want the bread that comes from heaven that always satisfies. Moses gave this to our ancestors. You've just rustled up 12 baskets of spares. Give us that bread. But Jesus is still talking on a level that they are just not understanding. Verse 35, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. The outrageous claim of Jesus is that he is the only thing that will bring us satisfaction, fulfilment, meaning and peace. No matter where we try and find our satisfaction outside of Jesus, we will still be hungry. Just like this crowd searching for bread. It's almost like going into Falmouth or wherever you are, going into every takeaway, every restaurant when they're open, every pasty shop, every cafe, and then trying the next town and the next restaurant and the next restaurant just to satisfy this hunger. But none of them will satisfy you permanently. So my question today to you and to myself would be this. What are we trying to satisfy the hunger of our heart with? What are we trying to fill that spiritual stomach with? Because my guess would be, number one, it's not satisfying you at all, if you're honest with yourself. And number two, it's actually giving you spiritual indigestion. Instead of fulfilling you, it's actually harming you. There is an eternal divine hunger in your soul that only God can satisfy People have described it as kind of a a God-shaped hole that only he can fulfill. Jesus goes on to say this in verse 47. Very truly, again, very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life, repeating himself. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the rest, for the life, give for the life of the world. Sorry. Now, is Jesus literally saying we need to become cannibals, feeding on flesh? No, Jesus isn't talking about the Last Supper here. He's not talking about communion. He's talking about his body being given in sacrifice. He's saying that he is going to lay his life down in an act of sacrifice so that we can take up his life in an act of faith. He's looking forward to the cross. The image in this whole passage is the Exodus. In that story, God chose Moses to liberate his people from slavery. He guides them and sustains them in the wilderness, in the desert, leading them through and into the promised land. The people couldn't save themselves. They couldn't liberate themselves. They needed a rescuer, a redeemer, 
someone to lead them, someone to confront the evil and defeat it. Jesus said Moses did this, but the people still died. It was insufficient. Moses points to another. There was only one who could make the ultimate sacrifice uh, so that we could all enter into his eternal life. And that's what's on offer for us today through Jesus. Jesus says to anyone who believes in him, there is the offer of eternal life, starting now on earth, not waiting till we're dead. That's what's on offer for us today. That's what the joy of eternal life, finding life for the full. We'd love to pray for you. If you're thinking of making that step today, please get in touch with us on WhatsApp or on Facebook or an email. Or if you recognise, maybe in something I've said, that you are trying to satisfy the cravings of your heart and soul in things that ultimately aren't satisfying you and are actually giving you that spiritual indigestion. We'd love to pray for you as well and pray through that with you. So, as we finish, why don't we just pray? God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for giving your son to us. And I thank you that you love us so much. I thank you that you provide what we need rather than what we want. Please help us to live in your way, the way of your son Jesus. Holy Spirit, highlight all the areas in our lives where we are trying to satisfy what only you can satisfy. In Jesus' name, amen. Please get in touch. If that's spoken to you, um, impacted you, we'd love to be praying with you um, through all that God's brought up.